Hello everyone, welcome to this uh, Rangers Review special as we get a, a QPR insight into the new Rangers manager, uh, Michael Beale. Fair to say, um, a few disgruntled uh, QPR supporters uh, losing their manager uh, after, what, five months in charge. But I'm delighted to say that uh, Alex Bullimore from the Our Generation QPR fan site uh, joins us uh, to talk about uh, Michael Beale's uh, short stint. It's ended up at Loftus Road. Alex, first of all, thank you very much for, for joining us. Absolutely no problem. Happy to come on. First of all, Alex, uh, I'd imagine that uh, we're speaking off air. If, if, if the shoe was on the other foot, uh, it must sting a little bit uh, losing your manager in this way, especially after uh, knocking back Wolves not so long ago. Yeah, it's uh, been an unfortunate couple of weeks, really. The Wolves one really came out of nowhere, to be honest. Um, you know, there's obvious links between Beale and Rangers. And I think he spoke to you guys at the start of the season saying he would like to come back to Rangers at some point. So it's not necessarily the most surprising thing that he's decided in the end that Rangers is a good move for him. Wolves was a little bit more out of the blue. And we, re I think we were all quite delighted when he knocked that offer back. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the Premier League club is always going to be a hard one to turn down. But at that point in the season, we were top or we were just about to go top in the league. Um, and now it's only a couple of games later and it's all kind of gone a bit wrong. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it is a bit disappointing that it's going to end up with him leaving so early. Personally, I kind of hope that he would stay to at least the end of the season, which seems crazy to say. I know there's no loyalty in football, but I think you kind of expect whenever you sign a manager that he at least sticks it out for a season, unless he's had a really bad time, he's not going to be leaving. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the interview he gave after knocking back the Bulls job, I know that the QPR fans were, were delighted to hear I'm talking about the loyalty and integrity. Does it, does it, I guess when Giovanni Van Bronckhorst lost his job a week ago, he was a name that was uh, sort of the front runner, uh, Alex, uh, to take over. Did it sort of sticks in the throat a little bit after after that interview that he's now leaving, like you say, a few games down the line and uh, he's no longer the QPR boss? Yeah, that interview is quite a weird one, isn't it? Because I, I guess this is something that, you know, reading between the lines, this could be an interview that the club said that he has to do to sort of try and win back the trust of the fans. And, you know, he's going to have to say something in there that perhaps in the long run is going to make him look quite stupid, which I think to a certain extent, you know, saying that your loyalty is really important and integrity and stuff like that. And then running off a few weeks later, it certainly paints another picture. Um, then from, from his point of view, you know, he's he's he seems to be a victim of his own ambition. Really, he you could tell from when he came into the club right at the start that he was very ambitious in what he thought he was able to do as a manager. Um, and I think we all kind of knew that this would be a stepping stone for him. And we, you know, got no real problem with that. It's just the timings of what's happened. But this isn't exactly the first time that the media team at QPR have done something similar to this like we had a couple of seasons ago we had Naki Wells a striker on yeah. loan from Burnley and there was a tweet that went out when there was rumors about him moving on to Bristol City that you know he was just happy to be here 
well, like next then week after that, he was at Bristol City starting for them, and they were tweeting that he was just happy to be there. So like, it's not the first time that we make ourselves look a little bit silly, but I wonder whether the boards or the media team or whatever it was behind the scenes sort of said, you've got to say these things in a sort of attempt to make him, I don't know, stay, I guess. Like, it seems a weird thing to say, but it that's just sort of reading between the lines. And, you know, when, when your manager's saying stuff like that at the time, you, you really want to hope and believe it. Um, but I always quite felt a little bit funny about it, I have to say. Yeah. What was the feeling amongst the QPR fans when he was appointed back in the summer? Because uh, no managerial experience, it was his first job as uh, uh, the main man, uh, leaving uh, Aston Villa and Steven Gerrard uh, for the first time. What, what was uh, the general feeling towards him? I think it was definitely one of excitement. Mm. You know, we don't... We kind of flirted with the playoffs last season under Mark yeah. Warburton, another ex-Rangers uh, yeah. manager. Um and it ended up, you know, in a sort of sour situation. But we kept the core of a squad together and with a few additions here and there, which we felt that we had done, uh, you know, we felt quite positive in going into the new season and hopefully we were going to be a bit of an outsider for perhaps playoffs or something like that. Um, and, you know, having looked at what he's done elsewhere and looked into what the former players that he had coached were saying there's all these sort of glowing reviews and stuff. And yeah. it seems like a really decent appointment, an appointment that usually QPR wouldn't make. Um, so it kind of, we were definitely excited about what he could produce. And for the most part, it's been enjoyable. Yeah. And I mean, the players he brought in, they were all free transfers, weren't they? And loan signing. So it sort of built a squad on a shoestring. Yeah, and this is uh, something I would, you know, from your point of view, I would wonder whether he'd be able to repeat the same sort of tricks because every sort of player that he's brought in has come in with a, with his stamp of approval. He's seen them play yeah. in some youth tournament when they were 12 or something like that, or he's seen them play when he was Chelsea reserve manager or whatever it was. He's All, all these players are his players. They know him, he knows them, and he, he has this sort of photographic memory when it comes to seeing a player when they're developing at a young age and he know seems to know that they're going to be pretty decent for the future. So he's definitely got an eye for talent. And I, I just wonder, I really wondered when he was going to Wolves, whether he would be able to repeat the same tricks there because they have their sort of specific way with um, recruiting Portuguese players purely. Yeah, I wonder whether yeah. at Rangers he'd be able to do the same thing because all these players he signed for us were on freeze. You know, there's obviously less scope to do that in the middle of the season. And if he wants to take any of the players from us, they're all under contract with us. So you're going to have to actually, you know, uh, yeah, pay yeah. us a, a certain amount of money to get these players now. Yeah. Uh, of course, he enjoyed that that great start to the season, which led to the, the Wolves job offer. Um, what, was, what was his style of play like, uh, Alex? Um, what, what can the Rangers fans expect to see from, from his side? Uh, I think when we looked into it at the start of the season, we sort of kind of dawned on us a bit that, you know, Bill was, I don't know whether you'd agree from this, uh, with your having him being at the club at four under Gerard, but it kind of felt like he was a bit more of the brains behind the operation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you looked at what he was, you know, there's a couple of videos like the coach's voice, I think it was on YouTube. Yes. He did done a few there. And you look at that and you think, 
Okay, so those formations, those styles, that's exactly what Villa have been playing. That's exactly what Rangers were playing. So your fullbacks are going to have to be very important. There's no, yeah. Generally, at the moment, we play with two tens. That's probably, I don't know whether that's slightly because we've got our two best players are Ilias Chair and Chris Willock. So they are two outstanding players in the side. So they have to play. So you have to find a way to make them play. And that means playing two number tens. And they kind of, slightly inverted I guess they're not necessarily ringers so your fullbacks become very important they're bombing on the whole time and he recruited well and getting Ethan Laird in on loan from Man United and Kenneth Powell on a free from uh, some side in the area of easy um, yeah that, that would probably be the main thing fullbacks become very important he likes playing three in midfield um you know, one holding midfielder and then the other two sort of slightly more free to roam about a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a bit more of using what we had at QPR, um, the very limited resources. And like I said, you have to build everything around Willock and Chair. And towards the end of his tenure, at least, uh, we became very reliant on Chair and Willock to actually perform. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't, then we didn't win. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of ties in very much uh, what Rangers were like when uh, Gerard and, and Bill were at, at the club but before they uh, departed. And uh, of course, it's, it's results haven't quite gone your way recently, uh, winless in the last five. Uh, what do you put that down to? I think other sides have sort of uh, sussed us out a little bit. Like I said, we've yeah. become reliant on Sharon Willock to do a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, we've got Lyndon Dykes who. And you know, see Scotland international, but he doesn't. Is it sort of endless debate? Does he put away the chances that mm. is get given to him, or does he not get enough, uh, uh, you know, crosses and such like opportunities to actually score? I don't think. I think our crossing is absolutely diabolical. So you know, you've got a big, uh, tall centre forward who's not getting crosses of any quality into him and most of the time we find ourselves with only one player in the box you've got quite a few midfielders they're all talented players but then none of, none of them are making runs into the box at least sort of drawing a center back away so that dykes has got an easier run at the ball the, the target for the crosses is very obvious and even then we can't seem to find him um I've, like i said i've was sides have found us out a little bit they're sitting deeper in a low block and allowing us I guess to have a fair bit of possession we don't move the ball quick enough and then it becomes very stale Um, we end up having a lot of pot shots from outside the box which you know kind of um, relates to the fact that we have quite a low-ish xg I'd say uh, despite having a lot of chances, that's because a lot of our chances come from outside the box, from outstanding efforts from Chair and Willock. And when they go in, and it's it's amazing, and it's oh yeah. fantastic. But that's not necessarily down to you know a great tactical setup or sort of like beat you know or anything like that. That's just individual brilliance on the day, and you can't always mitigate for that. So that's something that became quite frustrating in the last couple of games. Um, and it's really kind of disappointing, I guess, that he does move on because this would be his first opportunity to prove his worth as a manager. Yeah. You know, you've got a big break now with the World Cup. He's going to have to do something with the players at his disposal. And, you know, 
prove your mettle as a manager and come back and put us back in the playoffs again post World Cup. That that would be so that is disappointing that we don't get to see what that turns out to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. it appears that um, the backroom staff he's going to be bringing up the likes of Neil Banfield as uh, uh, one name that's been mentioned, uh, Alex, as well as um, is it Harry Watling as well, uh, mm-hmm. the two coaches at QPR. Can you t- give us a wee idea of the sort of work that they do and uh, how, uh, how how important are they to his, uh, to his sort of coaching setup there? I guess the easy answer is we don't know. Like <laughs> with, with Banfield... <laughs> He came in under Mark Warburton, and uh, especially last season, when you look at him, if you were watching the game on Sky and the camera pans around to the dugout, Neil Banford always seemed to be sitting down, not actually doing anything. Mm. <laughs> and it would be John Eustace, who's actually at Birmingham now. Yeah. He would be the one in Warburton's ear discussing stuff with him. I'd say that's a little bit more diff- different this season. Banfield seems to be a bit more involved. Mm-hmm. The one thing we know for sure is that Chris Willock came to QPR because of Neil Banfield. He was a big part in that because of mm-hmm. his links to him at Arsenal. So I don't know whether, you know, two and two are going to get put together over the next couple of weeks and you're going to see stories about uh, Chris Willock heading up to Rangers as well. But that, that's the most obvious thing that he's done. I think, if I'm getting this right, Harry Watlin's the set-piece co- set coach. Yeah. Now he's come under a little bit of uh i guess criticism because we've had a couple of weeks where we've done awful at conceding from set pieces like it's it's become a real problem that winning losing the first contact and then conceding Mm -hmm. uh, a goal on the second contact because no one seems to want to challenge on the positive side our set pieces going forward when we've had the right players playing we've been really threatening so stefan johansson putting the balls into the box and then Dykes, perhaps Jimmy Dunn, Liam Balligan, they've all been quite threatening when it comes to yeah. attacking set plays. But defensively, there's been some real question marks and depends who you ask. We made a big song and dance about getting a set piece close at the start of the season purely because of Beal. And when you're conceding from set plays, you kind of, what are they doing to sort of, mitigate that and yeah stop that from happening um bill put it down to it being a mentality issue which i don't quite buy like i guess you can train them to stand in a certain position and if they're not going to want to put their head in there then you're never going to actually stop conceding uh yeah. from corners and such but at the same time i'm kind of looking at thinking this has become a really really big issue for us and there doesn't seem to be anything being done about it or it doesn't feel like that so, yeah. you know, that's something to keep an eye on, at least. Yeah, that sounds very similar to Rangers, Alex, because the set pieces at Ibrooks are absolutely dreadful uh, this season. They've been so bad. So, uh, yeah, that's slightly concerning uh, what's it, what it's like down there at Loftus Road. Is there any inclination as to potential successors for you guys who, who could come in and replace them at this point in time? Yes, uh, I think there's today Football League World, which is always a interesting website they seem to get exclusives but I'm never quite sure whether to trust them or not yeah, yeah. Uh, they've said uh mark robbins who's currently at coventry and then the other one which has been i think linked but also probably 
the fans' preferred option uh, and seems more likely to happen would be um, Critchley. He went and replaced uh, yeah, Bill yeah, yeah. at Villa. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're replacing the Villa, co- the former Villa coach <laughs> with another former Villa coach who worked on the Gerrard. And it still, so it all seems to be a bit too familiar. Yeah. But both of them have sort of characteristics that would match us ideally. They've worked with a shoot string budget and that's the big plus yeah um and they've done very well on those very small budgets at coventry and at um blackpool um having said that you know there's different scouting setups we were looking for a striker at the same time coventry were mm-hmm. they end up getting victor goikres who's probably the best striker in the championship if not sort of right up there and we end up with Lyndon dykes and i love Lyndon, but he's not on the same level as going chris so yeah. you know whether uh that you you're able to repeat the same sort of tricks is debatable but if i was to say who's more likely it'd probably be critchley purely because he's out of contract at the moment yeah he's not got he's not in in a job anywhere so i could see him coming in yeah, yeah, he did a good job at Blackpool before he was uh, uh, poached by Villa. And uh, just a, a quick note, Leon Balligan, you mentioned that Alex, of course, former Rangers defender. He's a lot of Rangers fans uh, didn't want to see him leave it in the summer. They wanted to, to see the club give him a, another extra year uh, on his contract. How's he been getting on down there? He's very highly rated by a lot of the fans down here. And I guess mm. he's just, he's quietly done a job. I, I haven't been... Uh, I'd say over the moon with what I've seen. I think there's been a few kind of issues where he seems a bit sort of off the pace. I don't know whether that's because of he's playing a lot more than we expected him to because we've had some unfortunate injuries with all our Mm -hmm. centre-backs. But if you look at sort of like the stats, he's probably, based on them, our fourth worst centre-back. but he, Bill really liked him and kept on picking him. And even though he wasn't actually captain, he kind of, I think he was sort of de facto captain. Yeah. Uh, definitely one of the leaders in the side. And we actually spoke to our on loan right back, Ethan Laird, who um, mentioned Liam Balligan as a, being a big uh, presence in the side, a vocal leader, uh, I think he said. So, you know, he's definitely got experience, but I, I would say that we've probably got he wouldn't be in my number one uh center back partnership yeah if we had everyone fit Mm -hmm. he seems to be doing a steady job so far yeah okay okay and uh, if people want to find out a wee bit about the work that you guys do alex if there's any uh, qpr fans amongst the range of support um where, where can they find you uh, so we've got uh, our generation on air podcast, which is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I think all other sort of good uh, podcast providers. There's a couple of um, podcasts we did at the start of the season. There was an interview with a Aston Villa fan, and there w- there must have been another preview of what we could expect from Bill. Mm. Uh, right back at the start of this season on there. So if you were kind of interested to hear a bit more of what we thought about Bill prior to him actually having uh, control of the side for a bit, that would be, I guess, useful for you guys. And also there's an, uh, a really good in-depth article uh, by two of our guys, Dan Lambert and Michael Chudley on the Our Generation web- website, which is ourgeneration.net, I believe. Mm-hmm. But you can also find a link to that on the 
our generation uh, Twitter page, and that goes quite in depth into what we were expecting from Beal at the start of the season, and a lot of that still rings true to now. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Alex. It's very much appreciated, uh, and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you, and uh, good luck to you too.